Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. We're back after uh, a week off last week. Was it a week off? It's maybe been two, I don't know how long it's been. It's been ages anyway. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name's Shane Richmond. Uh, and uh, I'm joined by, well, one of the normal um, panel and one guest, Ian Domain, is here. Uh, and George Message, who we're going to introduce in a minute, is here as well. Hi, guys. Hi, Dan. Evening. Uh, and so everybody else, uh, Ben is apparently flying to the Super Bowl. Gaz has got loads of work to do. Uh, and James has fallen off the back of a lorry. Uh, and uh, is in some sort of, he's on crutches. It's all not going terribly well. But we've spoken to John Harbour. He said he's going to be back in a week, two weeks tops. <laughs> day so, to day, uh, uh, we'll, day to day. Yeah, we'll never hear from James again. Um, but uh, we have got some people here, so that's good. We've got, uh, we've got George Message here. Um, and we're going to dive straight into talking to you. George, um, rather than do the guest bit a bit later, because uh, we we usually start off by doing the news, but there's not a terrible, there's not a huge stack of news is there since we were last here. So, um, so let's uh, let's talk to you and go into the other bits and pieces um, later on in the show. So, George, first of all, um, well, introduce yourself a little bit and, and tell us why you're a Ravens fan. Okay, thanks. Oh, cheers for having me on. Um, so I became a Ravens fan just shortly after the 2011 uh, Super Bowl, which was between the, the rematch of uh, the Giants and the, the Patriots. And uh, I had a guy at work who, who, um, who watched, the, watched, watched football. He watched the Super Bowl and he was sort of trying to get me into it. And I ended up watching the highlights on the BBC um, website. And that was the year that you had the famous play near the end where uh, Ahmad Bradshaw had the ball. He was about to go into the end zone and then he looked at the clock and realised I may, maybe I shouldn't go into the end zone. Uh, and he ended up sort of falling in after being tackled. And I watched that highlight and that, that one play really just intrigued me. I thought, how, how does the mechanics work on this whereby you don't want to score? How... You know, if there's someone who, who, who watches or at that time watched football, rugby, tennis, I thought it seemed, it just seemed illogical. Why wouldn't you want to score a point? And it just piqued my interest. Um, and of course it was perfect timing because that was the Super Bowl. So we had six months of absolute nothingness. Um, but that really allowed me to dive into, uh, the game. I think I bought Madden, you know, I think that's quite a common thing for a lot of people. I learned some of the basic rules on Madden. And um, and then I was able to pick my team. I thought, hey, yeah, what, what a great thing, you know. In in the UK, you, you usually you sort of you follow whoever the team is closest to you, or, or who your dad or your brothers follow. And I had this amazing opportunity where I I, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to commit to watching a season uh, of this because I I enjoyed the, the 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 process watching it and and doing a bit of mad. And I thought I'm going to give this a season. And now I get to choose a team. How how great's that? So how did I choose a team? Well, the first thing the guy at work said to me was, well, you know, don't choose a West Coast team. <laughs> you know, make sure. And you know, that, that doesn't, that only sort of takes off what, you know, a quarter of the teams maybe. Um, but he said definitely choose East Coast because, you know, you're going to get more 6pm games. And 
there were a couple of teams that stood out to me and I sort of researched them a little bit, a little bit nerdy in that respect. And one of the things that drew me to the Ravens was um, the way that they, at that certainly at that time, nurtured draft picks. So obviously everyone has, has draft picks, but there was a definite ethos in terms of less bringing in big name free agents and more about rewarding their own system of scouting and, and getting their guys and, and, and paying their guys. And that con- kind of fed into a sort of, I, I kind of like that idea rather than just sort of be, you know, paying for the big ticket, um, you know, d- trusting your process. Um, and it, eventually it came down to two teams. Uh, it came down to Baltimore uh, and it also came down to Tampa Bay. And really, and again, this is a very common thing. I'm sure you guys hear a lot, really, what the deciding factor. I was like, I was in the wire. <laughs> you know, I love the wire. I was like, I know the city. Uh, and, and, you know, I, you know, I could be, I could be, well, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys if, if, if I hadn't watched the wire. I may, may well have ended up going down with, uh, with Tampa. Um, and, uh, you know, okay, Super Bowl recently, but, you know, having to suffer with the Mike Lennon years and, and things like that. So, that realistically is what it is. So when people when people um, say to me, "Why are you a Raven?" I say, "I'm a Raven," kind of because I'm up Bradshaw, um, Stringer Bell, and uh, and then Ray Lewis. Because one of the one of the things that I researched during that off season uh, was the, that famous speech that he gave in the locker room after the loss to the Patriots in the uh, championship game. Um, and that, that, you know, I'm not religious, but, you know, he was talking a lot about, you know, um, you know, the flack I always said, you know, he talked nonsense, but I just remember feeling quite moved by that. And I thought, yeah, these, these, these guys are the other ones, you know, typical glory hunter, you know, that season we then go on and win it. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was quite fortunate, but, um, my nature is I, I really dug back in, into the old, the old season. So I, 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 um, Try to watch as much content from from sort of the the you know, the, the, the Billick years and um, oh uh, you would know this Shane the, uh, the 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 book that they did during the um, two thousand seven yes Next you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I try to get as much content to sort of really get into the history so that I can kind of call myself a, an overall Ravens fan so um, yeah that, that, that's pretty much it uh, that's pretty much it that's how it all happened. So you might have already spoiled the next the next question that I'm going to ask you. <laughs> We're hoping to run this feature now, this Wire Raven feature, over the off-season. We'll get people on, we'll find that. And I'm going to set up a little board behind me and for this next question. And we're going to ask everyone that comes on their favourite Raven. It can be a current Raven, it can be one that's that's now retired or moved on. Okay. Uh, so you, you might have spoiled this, maybe not. No, no, I, I, would, I wouldn't say. Uh, so I had um, one very bad season playing American football uh, in, in, in the leagues uh, um, in Sussex. So for, 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 a, for a new team, which I think unfortunately has folded now. Um, and I played as a, as a corner um, and, and occasionally safety, um, mainly because of my frame. <laughs> you know, I didn't have much options uh, being sort of just under six foot and weighing not a lot. Um so I tend to always favour uh, the DBs when I'm when I'm looking at um, um, when I'm looking at favourite Ravens. So I would say pound for pound, 
going back over the years, I think my favourite favorite Raven may, may well be uh, maybe with Jimmy Smith. Um, you know, I think it it coincides with with me becoming a fan. I think during that that season, I think he was. Um, I think he may well have been in his second or third season, so he was still a rookie. Um, you know, he you know famously was was benched during that that first season that I was watching it after um, a pretty dismal season, and then redemption on uh, on fourth down. Um, and you know. I'm a sucker for a, for a story. I, I always tend to like the players that have injury troubles. Uh, we've got a sort of a in my family a bit of a bit of a running joke that if I buy a jersey, I curse them. Um, so um, and you know, I think Jimmy Smith's, although he was you know what you know, one of the best around when he was healthy. There's, there's always that star. There's always that caveat. There was only one or two seasons where he did play the full sixteen uh, games. Um, but I love the way he played. He was very physical, um, you know, and just, yeah, what could have been. So, yeah, and as I say, I think for me as well, coming coming in and, and you know, during that season, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's why. I say currently, obviously, you've got Marlon, um, who I think will probably, will probably get a few votes. Uh, he's got a great attitude, um, horrible fo- uh, food takes, um, but it makes up for it on on the field, uh, and and this off season as uh, or this season rather, you know um, Williams, you know signing from 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 the Saints was was fantastic, and I know his season was was derailed slightly um, by that injury mid season, but um, I, I think he's I think he could, he could well be the next player I curse uh, with with a jersey. Um, but for the for, for the purposes of the board, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll go Jimmy Smith, which is. Possibly the only vote he'll get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The secondary is kind of coming back in in Baltimore now after a few Absolutely. years of being a little bit up and down. Um, I, I mean, yeah, Marlon and Marcus Peters opposite each other was was always good, but it seems like they've solved the safety position as well now, which is great. Absolutely. Um, and then going back to the the Ed Reed days where everything just seemed like. Well, I mean, I guess back when he was playing, the whole defense was pretty much stacked um, in every position. Have you got um, what's what's your favorite Ravens memory? I mean, I guess it could be it could be something from that that Super Bowl season since that was your first season. But is there something since then? What's your favorite memory as a Raven? <clears throat> I'd say um, to, to 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 split the vote a little bit, but obviously, you know, Marho Miracle. Um, We'll, we'll rate highly for everybody, um, but just to be a little bit outside the box, one of my favourite um, one of my favourite memories was, I believe it was January 2016. We were in the wild card round. We were at Hinesfield, and we were quite heavily, um, you know, um, not fancied. You know, Steelers were very much favoured to the point where there was even some talk in the media about you know. Or, do they rest Le'Veon Bell? I think he had a little niggle. You know, do, do we save him for the for the divisional rounds? You know, sort of that. And um, I think that's a very Raven thing, isn't it? To to to, to be the underdog, to be the to be wounded, and and uh, and we won that game quite comfortably. <laughs> I mean, I think it was from memory. I think it was maybe thirty three sixteen, something like that. Uh, it was a one a.m. game. I remember that. I remember sitting up with my wife. We had our Ravens 
jammies on. Uh, we had, you know, this was before we had kids. Uh, you know, we had all the, you know, sort of, we had a few beers, we had a few Cokes and some nachos, whatever, you know, the works. And, uh, yeah, we, I think it was 2014 actually, because I think the divisional round we then, uh, lost to the, um, Patriots, um, when we went down to our, you know, I think, I think I, I think I was, if there was any more injuries in the secondary, I think I would have been starting at corner. Um, <laughs> but that, that Steelers game was, was special. I think it was just, you know, I think it was the first time we beat in the Steelers in the playoffs as well. Yeah, that was, uh, January 2015. So the end of the, ah, so the 2014 season, 2014 yeah. season into 2015. And yes. Uh, yeah. 3017, the Ravens won that one before, um, that, and that New England game was the one, where the Ravens' secondary was really depleted, wasn't it? And, yes. Um, yeah, and we just we, we, carved we were, up on all those short passes. Yeah, we we were up a couple. Yeah, you know, we were up by two scores, I think, twice. Um, that was when Flacco finally finally broke the um, the no interceptions. Um, you know, and again, you know, it goes back to it because it was a, it was a while ago. But you know, knowing Jimmy Smith, he was probably one of the, one of the corners out. You know, if Jimmy Smith is there. And maybe one up, one less injury, you know, we probably win that game. Um, but you know, hey, I mean, that 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 pales in comparison to the last three years of injuries. <laughs> one of those seasons where it, all the injuries were in the same place. That was the yeah. that was the frustrating thing about it. Exactly, exactly. We, we were very strong in in many other areas. Um, you know, we had a you know probably one of our uh, you know 2019 aside, one of our most efficient offenses. Um, you know, Forsett was 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 running like a top ten running back. Flacco was having a resurgence. We had some decent wide receivers, um, and and yeah, yeah, if, and that felt like a really good year. That felt like a, you know, the twenty thirteen season. You know, losing Q after he after he got traded, and you know, you, you, losing Ray, losing losing Ed. Then 2014 sort of really felt like okay, it was worth that that one sort of transitional year. It wasn't a rebuild, but it was a bit of a. We know it's going to be not as good, but 2014 really came back, and I think the season after was was when Flacco might have um, blown his knee out, and you know it, it, it didn't. So 2014 really just sort of stand out as a as a, a bit of a special season in in a, in a couple of murky years after that Super Bowl win, um, and it's probably one of the seasons that. You know, because it was just before I had kids, you know, watched an awful lot um, of, of, of football, and you know, was 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 more willing to stay up to <laughs> you know four a.m. than than perhaps I am now, unfortunately. So yeah, so that that that, that would be that would be a, a, a little bit of an off 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 center um, special moment. It's a good choice. Um, so uh, we've we've. I think we've properly introduced George to uh, to the listeners, and so we can kind of flick back to where we'd normally start our um, our podcast by digging into some of the news. As I said at the beginning, uh, there hasn't been masses. Everything's sort of just kind of in a wait and see sort of mode, I guess. Um, so we've had uh, the ongoing search for a new offensive coordinator, and the last time we did this podcast um, was just after the end of season press conference. So. If you listen to the last episode, you'll know that uh, Craig Roman has been 
sent off into the wilderness and uh, the Ravens are now looking at contenders. Uh, there have been some second interviews. Dave Canales of uh, the Seahawks has had a second interview. George's Todd Munkin has had a second interview. Uh, Justin Outen of the Broncos apparently had a second interview. Um, that one seems to have wound people up a little bit just because uh, the Broncos were quite bad last season, but he was only actually calling the plays for the last couple of games, during which time they were actually quite good. So, you know, um, Ian, what do we, do we know anything more of the, of the, uh, the OC hunt other than a bunch of people have been in for second interviews? I, I don't think so. Um, it's, it's all a bit strange, isn't it? Um, you see all these other teams that, that were searching for, new offensive coordinators and they, they seem to have got who they wanted and, and got them quite quickly. The Ravens are just being linked to absolutely everyone left, right and centre at the minute. Um, and as you say, everyone's got their favourites as well. So they get linked to, they get linked to a guy and oh, he must be great and they get linked to someone else. He's, he's terrible. So everyone's got their favourites. I don't think anyone, much like the Lamar situation, I honestly don't think anyone really knows. There's, there's in-house guys that are still getting interviews. There's college guys. There's, some big names. Obviously, they they're, they're keen to speak with Bienemy, who's who's still involved with with Kansas at the Super Bowl. So I I don't think this is going to be wrapped up particularly quickly. Which I think a few people would would quite like to see this get done. And, um, and and it's still all tied. We keep talking about Lamar. It's still all tied back back to him as well. You know, someone's going to be taking this job, maybe without knowing who the quarterback's going to be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I can't help wondering whether part of the delay is that they're waiting till they can speak to the enemy. Although he seems to have said he's, you know, if he gets on for the head coaching job, he's doing that. He's only really going to consider other um, OC roles if he can't get a head coaching job. And even then, he may well stay put. Um, George, is there anyone on your radar, anybody that you think would be a good, um, a good hire for the Ravens? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's anyone that I'm particularly um, overly fond of or, or, or against. I like the approach in terms of we do, we, you know, we have seemed to have cast a net out quite far. I'm not going to go so far to hear a name and then, you know, look them up on Wikipedia and then go, Oh my goodness, this is the, you know, they're, they're the best coming, uh, which I think is, 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 is sort of what you see on Twitter. Um, but I like the approach in terms of, you know, we, we, we're going a bit further afield than maybe we have done in the past. Where we have tended to, you know, stick with a, a hardball guy or, or an internal guy. Um, I, 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 I agree with you, Shane. I think, I think there could be a, an element of, you know, waiting to see, um, if, uh, we can sort of get interviews after, after the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah. And, and then, then, then you've got the Lamar factor as well, you know, and then you get into this catch 22 is Lamar sort of obviously, well, we don't know what's going on with Lamar, but. Is there an element of Lamar waiting to see who the OC is going to be? But then you've got, well, the OC might not commit until he knows Lamar and, and there needs to be a bit of, a bit of communication. I'm sure that is going on, uh, behind the scenes, but, um, you know, as with any, any NFL teams, it's, it's very, you know, very tight lipped at the moment. So, you know, uh, you know, if I had to, you know, the, the names of the ones that I, uh, I maybe favoured slightly more would, would would be the you know the Seahawks quarterback coach. Um, you know he did obviously um, some some good things with Gino, who's um, you know probably one of the fav- you know, probably favourite if not one of the favourites for for comeback to the comeback to the player of the year. So that would be my 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 slight <laughs> slight 
yeah, put my neck out. But uh, but no, I just I like I like the process. That, that that's, that's that's sort of the main thing I think. And, and Lamar's been having some fun as well, hasn't he? This this week, oh, yeah. I don't know if people have seen the Instagram post, but he he knows what he's doing. He knows he, he posts something, and, and people just run with it. And I, he's the uh, biggest it, troll going. Yeah. So if you're following Lamar on Instagram, don't be reading into this stuff. Yeah. I noticed there was uh, there was a little bit of that on Twitter this morning. Like, what does he mean by his latest posts? Nothing. He doesn't mean yeah. that. Someone was like speculating about the number on his jersey or something. So it says 23. Does that say something about the deal? I think it's pretty unlikely, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever it takes to entertain yourself. And they did say at the end of season press conference that they would involve him in the process of hiring mm-hmm. the next OC. But I really don't know how much he's going to be able to contribute. It's not like he's got um, notes on every coach throughout the NFL or kind of like, oh, I quite like that guy. I mean, he's probably going to say, I want a coach who's going to throw more or I want more of a quick game or, you know, I'm sure he's got some views like that and they'll factor that in when they're talking to uh, offensive coordinators. But I'm sh- I'm sure he has no preference for a particular person. It sounds as though Bienemy's done the interview with the Colts and he took the time to do that even though the, the Chiefs were still in the playoffs, which he's entitled to do. Uh, and I think he's just decided, yeah, I'm not doing interviews for OCs while I'm getting ready for um, for a Super Bowl because I've got better things to do, which is which is fair enough. It'd be a sideways move. Mm. It would just be this chance, even though he does call the plays for the Chiefs, there still seems to be this weird um, preconception out there that he doesn't. But this would be a good chance for him to get out from underneath um, Andy Reid's shadow, I guess. I, th- but, I think that's um, that's that's the thing with him, isn't it? That's that that's the the sort of lure for him is that he gets out and everything that that's good that happens for Kansas and I'm still going to call them Kansas I'm not I'm not giving them the city um everything that's good that that's happened it, it's all attributed back to Andy Reid and Mahomes and Bienemy doesn't seem to get any of the credit for it and I think he's he's at that stage maybe where he he leaves and goes somewhere else and and, and maybe does suddenly people realize oh it, it was him after all you know how much of it is is him and how much is Andy Reid and you know, it, none of it might be. Anything. Yeah, it is. Might... It is very weird because he's been. It's been clear that he's wanted a head coach role for some time now, and he's had the interviews and just hasn't managed to get appointed to any of them. So it's it's quite strange that he's had such difficulty. I don't know whether he just maybe he just interviews badly. I don't. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's kind of hard to to fathom what's going on there, but perhaps establishing himself and having success with the second team will help him make that step up. Who knows? And and so we've mentioned Lamar and the contract, and we may as well go over the, the lack of news there. There was like a – it's there's such a news vacuum that basically a report from six months ago kind of suddenly sprang back into the news with everyone debating the Ravens and Lamar could be as much as $100 million apart, um, but confusing – guaranteed money with fully guaranteed money and which money was on the table and which wasn't. It's understandable because the terminology is is kind of confusing. But um, George, you're quite into the financial side of, of how all of this stuff works. Um, obviously, we don't know very much about what's coming out of the organization, but what's your take on on where they're at with trying to to, to kind of find some meeting point with Lamar at least? Yeah, I, I think the first thing I just wanted to say was, you know, like you said, there there, there is obviously 
or there can be confusion in terms of you know total guaranteed and, and, and guaranteed uh, signing and for, uh, for injury. And you know it's an easy mistake to make for 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 for, for the for the you know for the common fan. But actually, some some of these reports are coming from people who are supposedly you know being paid. Um, and that's when you go. Actually, this is more sinister, and this is just a news cycle. So um, I think they've. I think some of them have been quite naughty with 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 how they've um, you know generated clicks. But I think that is you know the way that we live in because there was there was this report from quite a while ago that 130 was uh, was the guaranteed um, figure, um, and then they've looked at the Sean Watson who got fully guaranteed at 230 and gone. Well, there's a hundred million difference. That makes a great headline. Um, in terms of in terms of where where it all is, you know, like I say, the Ravens are fantastic at being very close lip. They're always going to be. I, you don't know what to believe, but you know, it's all about the quarterback game, especially. Is all about you know set, setting setting new precedents, setting new records, um, and and Deshaun just completely messed that up. You know that that, that contract was just such an anom- anomaly. And you, you, you kind of you're kind of going to have to get a quarterback that's going to re, re reset it. Um, and Lamar's wisely probably choosing not to be that guy. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if a Burrow or, or or a Herbert gets done before Lamar. And there's a school of thought that that's going to be bad for the Ravens because it, it might reset things, but it but it could it could favour us as well in terms of. You know, if, if if you're looking at Burrow or, or Herbert not getting a fully guaranteed deal, um, then that that helps the Ravens' case because I'm, you know, we don't know, but that probably is one of the main sticking points. You know, how, how much of it is going to be um, fully guaranteed? Uh, the, the I'm still confident Lamar's going to be a Raven next year. I, I really am. I, I I I don't I don't buy into tag and trade. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I've, and I, I, I do think, from a cap point of view, it's going to be extremely, extremely tough to carry him at the at the tag. Um, but I think that that would be for the Ravens doable and, and more preferable. Um, so I, I'm really, really not 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 in the tag and trade uh, section. Um, I'm probably being maybe too optimistic, but I do think a deal gets done. Um, but you know, but you just don't know, you know, because all these scores of thought go through your mind. Is he thinking, you know, is he going to go down the Kirk Cousins route? You know, um, who, who 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 took who took shorter deals? Um, you know, I mean, but you don't want that from a cap point of view. I mean, the Vikings are stuck right now. Um, you know, for 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 a for a thirteen team win, uh, a thirteen win team, sorry, to to be in their situation where they've got aging vets and, and, and they've got a quarterback who they're probably going to have to extend or just cut ties with. It's, it's mad they're in that situation. Um, and that all stems from, 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 from Cousins being just fantastic. And I'm sure Lamar's sort of looked at that style um, because he, he used the tag fantastically well and, and, and the threat of just... Yeah, fine. Just, just let me pay, pay me this year, and then pay me one one hundred twenty percent next year. Where it ends up, I don't know. Um, 
but I think in terms of in terms of the you know, the sort of the, the structure of, of of the cap, um, you know, I think I think we've got to be looking at something in obviously more money than what Alan got because with Lamar signing after, but I, I, I like the structure from a cap point of view of of what um what what the Bills did with um with with Alan. So I'm hoping that we'll get something similar. When I first um when I first started following the Ravens, uh, it was it was um. Just after the, um, they 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 brought the, the cap, uh, the rookie the rookie um, cap in, and so we'd gone from a team that would have quite a flat structure in terms of cap hits being quite similar, maybe incrementally rising each year, to really backloading the deals. And uh, Aussie worked really really hard during the last few years um, to to get rid of that. And I just don't want to go back to that. You know, you think about someone like Brandon Williams, um, whose contract was was a constant source of debate uh, amongst uh, Twitter and, and everybody. You know, if you go back and look at the original deal for that, it was it was good. It was, a, you know, I think I think it, it definitely had a smaller a smaller cap charge in the first year. They typically do, but years two, three, four, five were were fairly were, were a fairly flat structure. And, um, you know, for various reasons, um, we restructured contracts and, and, and kicked the can down the road. And that's what made that, that deal a bad deal, um, really, not, not the original contract. So for me, that, that, that's the key part when, you know, I want to see Lamar sign the deal. But for me, it's about getting, you know, I don't really want to have a, a minimum you know, eight million cap hit in the first year because for me that that just signals problems later on down the line. I mean, I was, I was looking at CJ Mosley's contract uh, today. I know it's not a quarterback, but the Jets um, piled. You know, they've added void years, which <laughs> I, I hate. Um, you know, Mosley is as good as gone. You know, he's probably probably going to be cut um, with a with a post um, a post June designation uh, to spread the cap. Um, hit that they're going to take, but even so, and I mean, you look at the Saints are like now. <laughs> I mean, that's the 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 craziest case of of cap mismanagement going. Um, and people, you know, say on Twitter a lot, well, the cap doesn't exist. There's always ways to get around them, but um, you know, there, there will come a time when when there is no getting around. I think I think I read something along the lines of, I think. I, this may be completely untrue because I didn't actually look at the numbers, but I think if they cut sort of all but sixteen players, they, they'd still be you know twenty million dollars over over the over the limit. You know, it's just it's madness. That for me is you know having a having a quarterback taking up you know twenty twenty five percent of your cap is prohibitive, um, but it's doable. It's doable still. But having a cap hit later on than the year that's going to be taking up more than that is where you have problems, and it's where the leverage gets you know gets given. And um, you know, there's a lot of player power. I mean, there's always the threat of being cut, but if you've got guaranteed money or you've got a, a signing bonus that's already been paid to you, then then then, then it shifts back. So for me, that's what I'm looking at. Um, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful um, that yeah, a the deal will be done, but b that it's going to be done in the right way, um, and we 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 don't tie our hands in 2026 onwards. Yeah, that's going to be the challenge, isn't it? Because it's, 
there's, you know, other American sports that were guaranteed contracts are the norm, but they have different rules for how the cap works. So it's much more manageable uh, if you do have to part ways with a player. Um, obviously, NFL owners have no desire to be giving out guaranteed contracts. And so the salary cap makes that a very difficult thing to do. The other thing that is apparently a challenge is that you've got a, for, for a guaranteed contract, that money has to go into escrow um, as soon as the contract is signed. So you can't spend the money uh, and then, you know, say, oh, it's fine, we'll have it later. Uh, it's got to be put to one side. And different franchises, some franchises have billionaire owners who, who don't mind either way, but uh, other franchises don't really want to put $250 million in an account to sit there for however many years as it gradually gets withdrawn by your, your QB. Um, so that's another factor that, uh, that the league are going to have to work out. I mean, it seems like when Kirk Cousins did his deal, so he wrote out the tag, two years running for people who don't know and then signed um, a fully guaranteed deal with 84 million then but obviously that was a few years ago now um, and everyone said then that's oh, this is this is the start of the change you know the NFL like other leagues is going to have to give out fully guaranteed contracts and of course the rest of the teams just ignored that and pretended it hadn't happened and, and we kind of moved on until we got to Deshaun Watson it feels like Lamar could be a sort of pivot point for this that if he really holds out and does the same thing, then suddenly you have two big quarterbacks in a very short space of time who have gone for the fully guaranteed money. And that, that does mean the players coming down the line are a bit more likely to push for the same thing rather than to go, oh, nobody's going to get it. Um, I mean, it's kind of, you know, there have been deals since Deshaun Watson signed his, but it's, um, it's, it feels like if Lamar does it as well, suddenly you've got two and it's, it could kind of push, owners a little bit but um the ravens seem like they've been pretty clear that they're not doing fully guaranteed at deshaun watson levels so whatever they negotiate with lamar is going to be some kind of a compromise around that and i think the numbers we'd we'd sort of heard and we as you said earlier we've no way of knowing how reliable these are but it was something like more money than deshaun watson but only 180 million with guarantees and 130 fully guaranteed or something like that. Um, but obviously there's a fair amount of guesswork involved. And James has said this on the, on the podcast in, in the past, but he kind of thinks Lamar's ultimate goal is to set the record for uh, a fully guaranteed contract after going through the tagging process for as long as the Ravens will stick with it. I mean, it's, it is, as you say, doable this year. It's just about doable another year after that. I mean, it gets pretty messy. It's certainly not, even though the Ravens within the rules could tag him a third year running, it's really not conceivable to do that, is it? It's just no. not, it's not something that's going to work. So he may be thinking, I go through two years of this and then just see what comes in from the highest bidder. Um which sort of makes sense, but then you hear from all of these other people that he sees himself as a Ravens for life, and Mark Andrews said this week that that's how he sees himself, and Andrews said, I'll give him my paycheck to, <laughs> if it'll keep him around. So it's very hard to know which messages to, to ignore and which messages are um, are actually genuine, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I think I think the... I think the other thing with, with, with Kirk Cousins is, is obviously, as you say, it was a while ago, so you know the the figure doesn't seem quite so outlandish now, although it was it was at the time. But 
there was this sense that was fully guaranteed, but it was only a three year deal, you know, and yeah, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you could have seen players going, going for, well, I'll have a longer deal and not have the fully guaranteed or, or, or I'll go lower. Um, but to, to guarantee five, six years in, in full, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, the Ravens owners, not going to do that. He's he's not one of those owners that you said about. That's um, you know billionaire and just fruit and um, you know you know willy nilly with it. He's 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 a, he's a businessman and and it's just not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think who knows what the magic number is, you know. But you know, can you say well, you know, if the reports are to be be, be believed and 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 the, and the guaranteed was one hundred and eighty, you know. Is two hundred going to get it done? You know, it is is a five year two fifty, um, so fifty fifty average with eighty percent guaranteed. Is that going to get it done? You know, there, there has to come a time where, even though I'm confident it won't ha- happen, there, there has to be a time where 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 we do, you know, say, well, look, it's just it's just when we're never we're not you know, we've reached an impasse. We're we're never going to get here. <clears throat> I don't think that's going to be before the draft. So I think some of the mock drafts that are going around where we're trading with the Lions or we're trading with, with the Giants, I think the PFF had a had a, a, a mock-up. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I've, but, you know, although I'm confident he will sign, you know, that will have to be a consideration. And I think you're better off biting the bullet after the draft um, and just you know, getting off getting off the cap this year if you, if you if you're confident because you're going to get to a point, you know, we've been negotiating this for, you know, at that point it's going to be two years. You know, he was eligible after year three. I don't know how how quickly we started it, but I'm sure that there were were you know there, there would have been at least a conversation. So. There has to be a view at some point where you say, "Well, look, actually, time isn't going to heal this now," <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see that being the case before before the draft. So um, yeah, I don't I don't see us uh, being in the play for some of the you know the top three guys or, or even a Richardson um, in in the teens, um, you know. But equally, you know, I could be sitting here in uh, two or three months and someone plays his back and goes, "Oh, how wrong you were, George." Well, it's just, it's just so hard to know, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. As you say, it's been going on for, for a while now. DeCosta said, you know, these contracts sometimes take a while. He said that, um, with, uh, Ronnie Stanley, I think he said it took a year and a half, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, which kind of puzzles me because I feel like both sides have their bottom line. They know what they're negotiating to. Like, I mean, how many, I know there's, there's a lot of, of options, but you would think, you would exhaust those over the course of a few weeks of negotiation rather than yeah. multiple years. But um, clearly there's, you know, thinking involved on both sides and there's an element of, of strategy too. And, you know, the the Ravens saying to Lamar, well, you know, two seasons now you haven't actually played all of the games. That's got to affect our valuation of you. Lamar thinking, well, if I hold out another season and I'm brilliant, then they can't not pay me. Um, so there's an element of... I guess, you know, reasons why you might want to wait and and yeah. think that's going to pay off somewhere down the line. But And in general, you know, my view is 
that players should get paid. They're the guys taking the risk. I don't begrudge them the money that they make. Um, and so normally I'm kind of on their side with negotiations. With guaranteed money, I do understand why teams are reluctant to commit to that. You know, if the Ravens give him a five-year guaranteed deal and then he suffers um, some sort of injury that drastically limits how he can perform for the rest of it, they're still on the hook for that money and they've still yeah. got to try and field a, a winning team. So it is a difficult thing for the team to commit to because there is that uncertainty in players playing a game that is you know, physically dangerous and you know, something could happen. I don't quite know... I think if even if a player has to retire through injury, you're still on the hook for everything well, that's guaranteed, aren't you? So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, and so, and yeah. actually, you mentioned Ronnie Stanley earlier. You know, a, w- a week after he signed his deal was, was when he when he had the first injury. Um, you know, thankfully this season he has come back. But you know, the reality of it was is if 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 it was a case if he had to retire, I mean. I I I just found it astounding that there wouldn't be some sort of insurance policy that would that would set off against the cap. Because I thought, you know, how can that be be fair from a from a from a from a from an NFL lever about having sort of team parity and you know if you've got this you know this 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 vast amount of of guaranteed money that's going to be accelerated because they've retired, um, you know. That just that just seems sort of seemed a bit mad to me. I think the other the other point that you you, you touched upon, I think um, you said about you know Lamar's availability and, and and that has to be a factor. And I agree. I, it's definitely not me who came up with this line of thought. It was somewhat something I read. Um, and apologies, I can't give credit for it, but they said actually that sort of thing does come into contract negotiations. But that's where an agent would really be would would be really good because the Ravens can say that to an agent and there's that that line of defence you know if you're saying that to Lamar and Lamar's team that could be taken quite personally it's not meant to be taken personally it's, it's a legitimate point um, and I think that's, that, that's, a, that's a really good um, a really good point that, that was made there you know without a without an agent you, you've probably got to tread a little bit careful when you're sort of talking about that things even though it has to be taken into account you know, yeah. um, you know, I don't, I, you know, we probably, well, you, you guys have definitely talked, talked, talked to death about, you know, how much extra Lamar's at risk of injury, um, you know, the fable behind being a running quarterback and, 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 and actually how, you know, the, the two sort of larger injuries that Lamar's have, have, have generally occurred sort of in the pocket. Um, but, you know, but the, the fact still remains is that, the, the availability hasn't been there recently, uh, so it has to be taken into account. So, yeah, I think there's a there's a multitude, but you know, I think the other thing is well, we say it's been going on for years, but I think rightly, and I agree. Lamar said, "You know, look, end of August, we're going to stop." So, yeah, you know, two years becomes not two years, but you know that every day, you know, it's a cliche, but every day it's, it's getting less likely because, as you said. You know, Shane, it, there's only so much, so many different things you can do. There's only so much different language you can use in a contract and so many different numbers that you can, you can get. So, you know, the, the DeCosta and, and, um, and Steve probably have their, their absolute maximum number. They, they, they've probably known that. Um, and if Lamar's not going to come down to anywhere near that, then you're a bit stuck. There's not much you, more you can do. So, yeah. um, you know, the speculation is going to continue for, for, for many more weeks, I'm sure. 
And I think it becomes a question then of of how quickly you're willing to yeah. to draw a line under it because it's if they have to go through if they have to go into free agency assuming that Lamar will play under the tag there's very little room to bring anybody in as a free agent then mm-hmm. if they go into the draft assuming i mean you know they may know what Lamar's intentions will be but it's entirely possible that Lamar decides he doesn't want to sign the tag um in which case he can not play next year he won't then count against the cap which is Good from a Ravens point of view, but they'll be down a QB, so yeah. they may have to consider whether they draft one. And yeah, that's something that they've got to think about. Um, so the longer this goes on, the more they have questions about how they act with filling the rest of the gaps in the team and, and building a team around him. Absolutely, because um, I think I think there was a, I think it was it was, it was uh, Josh Norman um, a few seasons ago. He he was given the tag. Um, and, and because a long-term deal just wasn't going to happen, it was rescinded in sort of July. You know, the team said, look, you know, and he became a free agent. Uh, it was quite a bizarre situation. You can, you could probably kind of get away with that because, you know, typically, you know, you have, you know, six corners on a team. You've, you, you've probably got a number, I think, you know, Josh would have been number one, but you, you've got a number two, you've got a number three, and you can probably think, well, I can pick up someone, a veteran who can sort of come in at, at the third or fourth. Um, that's not true of, of the quarterback, as you say. Um, you know, we wouldn't rescind the, 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 the tag for, for Lamar. He obviously is, 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 is worth, um, an awful lot more than, than what we would be giving him, be receiving, which would be a third round, um, comp pick. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right. If we get to a stage where Lamar doesn't sign it and doesn't play. Well, he could do, you know, it. we saw Le'Veon Bell did this a few years mm. ago with the Steelers where he just basically sat out for a year. Yeah. And the Steelers retain rights to him. And I think essentially the year kind of rolls over because he hasn't played. He hasn't played under the tag or in any, any other way. So the Ravens sort of first tagging of him has never happened. Yeah. So he would then kind of be in that situation year on year. Yeah. But they would, they would basically have to trade him if, if he well, just decided that he was not going to, he's not going to play under the tag. I, I think, I think in that situation, the, the relationship. Um, is is fractured forever, isn't it? You saw that yeah. with with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you choose not to play, then I don't think there's any going back. Um, and we're talking real extreme scenarios now, and and, and real That's worst cases. But but we yeah. yeah we have to now, don't we? Because it's been a couple of years of of um, of negotiating, sort of not really moving anywhere. Yeah, and we have no reason to think that Lamar would do that. I'm just saying that from no. the Ravens' point of view. The Ravens have to consider that that's a possible outcome. That is something that might happen. So they have to have some sort of plan in place. That's, yes. you know, that's what this <clears throat> uncertainty makes so difficult. But let's see. Maybe by the next time we do our <laughs> podcast, this will, the Super Bowl will be out of the way. Uh, whoever the offensive coordinator is will land and then Lamar will happily sign the next day and we'll be like, oh, we spent half an hour just pointlessly debating <laughs> what Lamar Jackson uh, off season could look like, and it's all sorted now. Exactly. Um, the other That's thing the that happened. So, if people are wondering whether Ian's just fallen asleep because of uh, during all that contract <laughs> talk, um, he's just disappeared. Uh, he's having some problems with his Wi-Fi, and he's just vanished entirely. Uh, so it's good that you stuck around, George. Yeah, otherwise, it would just just be me monologuing for the rest <laughs> of the for the rest of the podcast, which nobody needs to hear. Um, it does. It does sort of uh, put a little bit of a. Um, a, uh, a, a, 
a crowbar. What is it? A, a spoke in the wheels of uh, of our plan to do the Ravens Awards because Ian knows who's won them and I don't. So uh, <laughs> if if he doesn't come back, we'll do that next week. But there is, before we get to that, there is uh, at least something resembling a game of football took place last weekend. Did you see any of the Pro Bowl at all? I I, I very few clips. I, I I really struggled to get excited by it, and I was. Ah, oh, he's back. Um, I, I, I was someone that was very anti the Pro Bowl. I, I, I didn't really see the, 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 the need for it. And, and I, I quite like the fact that they tried to do something different and change things up. But this isn't it for me. <laughs> uh, I just, yeah, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, get excited by it. And yeah. And Ian has returned after having some very strong words with his router. Um, did you watch any of the Pro Bowl, Ian? Right, before I get onto the Pro Bowl nonsense, for the last 20 minutes, I've been sat here nodding along, oh, listening to everything you've <laughs> said. Um, so, yeah. That's I mean, timing. It really is. At least people know he was really still there, if anybody Absolutely. was wondering. There, 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 was, there was a moment earlier where you, where you guys were, were, were talking, um, and I was just, oh, he's... We sort of lost you again for a second there. Are you with us, Ian? I, I've, I've, this is very odd. Can you, you can hear me? Yeah, I mean, it's more like a seance than a podcast, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I've been here the entire time. I listened to your whole chat about Lamar Jackson. I was nodding <laughs> along. I, was, I, I even tried to jump in a couple of times. I thought, oh, God, we better put a producer note on there for Gaz because I've, I'm talking over everyone. And then you start talking about the Pro Bowl. I thought, oh, Shane's going to come to me here. This is this is right in my wheelhouse. And uh, and suddenly you mentioned that I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even in the studio. No, you'd gone. <laughs> wow. You're just thinking, Christ, what, what's wrong with them? They're just completely ignoring <laughs> me. I have thoughts about contracts. <laughs> I, I I really don't. I had no no thoughts at all. You two did a great job. <laughs> so did did you watch any of the Pro Bowl? I, I didn't. It was an absolute nonsense, wasn't it? I followed it from Twitter, which is where I follow everything. And when I saw sort of Marlon Humphrey hitting golf balls, I thought, no, this isn't for me. This is, you know, I've had enough of this. So, um, spoiler alert, in a couple of weeks, we'll hopefully have on someone who was at the Pro Bowl who can tell us all about it. So you, you don't need me to tell you about it. It looks like they're having fun, which I, you know, I quite like that. I don't really begrudge them having fun but it doesn't really seem to need any fans involved as far as I can tell. It's just like, you just go and have a holiday in Vegas or Hawaii or wherever they're going to have it. One thing I used to like when I discovered, when I got into American football and I came across the Pro Bowl, I thought it was really cool that they played and they kept their team helmets. I remember as a kid going, oh, that's a really cool thing. I really like the way that they've done that. And I sort of miss that element of it. But I can understand why the players don't care about playing a game and turning it into something competitive. And I can understand why the fans don't care about watching the players play flag football. It just seems like the whole thing is is there just so that the players get like a bit of an end-of-the-season party, which is fine. But like I say, it doesn't really seem to need to involve fans. Yeah, it, it all looked good fun, didn't it? And everyone was having a good time. The one thing I did notice was Ray Lewis can't turn it off, can he? Even when he, he was called, <laughs> he was calling plays for the defense on the flag football. And my, he'd have gone out there and tackled someone if he could have. Like he was calling blitzes and he's telling people to line up. It's, it's flag football, Ray. Let's just calm down a little bit. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I mean, I only saw the same stuff as you guys, just the various social media clips. It looked like Tyler Huntley played pretty well at his, um, 
first, and I'm going to say only Pro Bowl. <laughs> so yeah, I, think, know, I, think, I think at one point he was sort of like the most accurate you know, uh, quarterback at the Pro Bowl. I don't, I don't know if he ended that, but I, I certainly saw a social media post sort of saying he he was leading the points, the accuracy percentage, whatever, whatever it was. Um, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, you know, you're you're um, you know, you're not under contract next year. You know, if we can, you know, somehow swindle the Jets into signing him to a long term deal and, and, and increase that comp. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no, I don't, I don't, they're, they're not that stupid anymore. <laughs> they've got a they've got a better GM now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's the, the talk seems to be that they're going to somehow wangle getting Aaron Rodgers once he's come out of his cave, um, which will be hilarious because I mean, if I was Aaron Rodgers, I'd go into the cave and stay there. If it was like <laughs> we're trading you to the Jets, I'm just going on a retreat, guys. I'll be back. Um, I, I'll definitely be back. Yep, no problem there. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe they've got better plans than Huntley. Uh, so yeah, the Pro Bowl, if you watched it, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, who knows whether they're going to stick with that format next year or whether they'll revise it yet again. Uh, the other thing that happened over the last couple of weeks, again, if you've been watching social media, you will have seen that, uh, ESPN dropped their 30 for 30 Bullies of Baltimore documentary, which is the, uh, documentary about the 2000 Ravens, who, uh, of course, won the first Super Bowl for the franchise. If you're, if you're active on social media, you probably will have seen when this was a big chunk of this was being filmed last year. They did a big theater event in Baltimore and they invited a bunch of the players, um, back from that team. Brian Bullock was back, uh, and they just kind of had an evening interviewing them in the theater and, uh, getting some of their stories, which then formed the bulk of the film. Um, and the, it's sort of a, a bittersweet thing about that, I guess, which is that Tony Siragusa was one of the stars of that show and um, people loved hearing from him. He got the chance to be with his guys again on the field. And then, of course, he sadly died just a couple of weeks after that. So that was a, um, a sad a sad ending to that story, but at least he was able to be in the film and um, people were able to hear his stories and, and remember what a... Um, an entertaining guy he was. Have either of you seen Bullies of Baltimore? I've not actually had a chance to see it yet. No, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. I'm saving it for the weekend. Yeah, I'm, I was... I'm sorry. I, I, I say I was. I, I'm, I'm desperate to watch it in, in, a, in the vein of, of what I was saying earlier about trying to get as much content about the, the parts of, of Baltimore's history where I wasn't watching. Um, I know that there's a couple of different options for how to watch it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that they do bring it to Disney Plus. Um, relatively soon i've checked as of today and, and it wasn't there um so i'm sort of checking daily <laughs> um but if, yeah, so if not then might have to be espn plus i think you can get a subscription can't you or something you can yeah so for people who don't know espn is part of disney so a lot of the 30 for 30 stuff is on disney plus but not the the newest stuff so it does go there at some point but i've no idea how long it takes um before that it's on espn plus which is available in the uk they used to do a seven-day uh, free trial, but they don't anymore. So annoyingly, you now have to sign up for a minimum of a month if you want to watch it. Uh, or your alternative would be to sign up to um, the equivalent service in the US and use a VPN to convince the internet that you're in a part of the world that you're not, um, which is not really criminal behavior. You're still paying for it. Um, and I'm sure that if you don't want to do any of those, there are probably... 
uh, darker memes by which you can find what you want to watch as well. But um, but yeah, I was thinking maybe Super Bowl Sunday would be when I uh, when I watched it. So I've mentioned on this podcast before um, I, that uh, the 2000 Ravens team were my first Ravens team. It was the first game that I saw in the States, the first regular season game I saw live. I'd seen some preseason games um, at Wembley that they'd done as American Bowls, and I'd seen some of the World League games that were played over here. But that was the first game I got to see in the States. I saw the Browns visiting Baltimore. Um, and uh, I've had the, the the chance to actually talk about this game with Brian Bullock, which was uh, which was exciting. The, the, the Browns gained 80 yards or so on the first drive. Um, and uh, my in-laws had told me before going to that game that, you know, it'd be easy to get in because the Ravens are rubbish. Nobody's going to see the Ravens. Uh, so the the Browns went the length of the field on that first drive, and I thought, well, yeah, maybe the Ravens aren't that good. Um, let's see. Uh, and then they didn't gain another 80 yards for the rest of the game. They were completely stifled by by the D. Um, and I spoke to Brian Billick about this um, when his last book came out, because I interviewed him when the book came out. And was telling him he was the coach of my first game, and it was the game that made me a Ravens fan. And he was saying that after that first drive, Ray Lewis came off the field and said to him, "Coach, we got this. It's fine. Don't worry about it." Um, and he was completely right. As I say, they totally stifled them. Uh, this was the team had just come out of a run of five games or whatever it was without scoring a touchdown, uh, but it didn't matter because you could, you know, that defense only needed ten points or so, and and they would still win the game. And being able to watch them in person as someone who loved defensive football, I was just blown away by what I was seeing. Cause I mean, first of all, they were so fast. Like, and, and you kind of see that when you're at a game in a different way to how it, you see it on screen. Like the speed comes across differently when you're in the stadium. So they were incredibly quick to the ball. They seem to be absolutely everywhere. And, like I say, apart from that first drive, the Browns could do absolutely nothing to to move the ball after that. There was whatever they tried to do, it seemed like the Ravens knew exactly what the plan was and had somebody there to stop them or pick the ball off or to get a sack or just um to just punish whoever caught the ball. They're an absolutely incredible team to watch. Um and um and a record setting team as well. So, you know, they they ended up being, I mean, there's there's kind of a debate as to whether they are the best defense of all time or the '85 Chicago Bears. Obviously, Bears fans would have um, the '85 Bears. I would tend to go with the 2000 Ravens. I know that's Brian Bullock's point of view as well. Um, and fans of other teams would sort of, I would, I'd be tempted to say split down the middle, but actually, I think more of them would probably go Bears just because they kind of, I think people sort of overlook just how good that defense was, and also. Um, I think they were quite disliked by the rest of the league in a way that the the 85 Bears weren't. I mean, and I have a connection with the 85 Bears as well, and that was the first season when I started watching the NFL. I was like 10, 11 years old. Um, so that 85 Bears, they were in the first Super Bowl that I ever watched, and they were an amazing defense to watch. Um, and nobody really knew what they were dealing with and they had to stop that team. Um, so they were a fantastic defense. Um, but you know, they did like a Super Bowl song and they had like a little dance to go with it and stuff. And you can't really imagine the 2000 Ravens doing a song. I just, I don't know. Shannon Sharp, maybe, but you know, but the defense, I can't, I think there was something about that attitude of the defense, don't you think? 
Yeah, for for me, I'd, I'd be taking the two thousand Ravens D as well. Um, I'd, I'd argue that point with anyone. It was just that there's a the clip um, in the the documentary that I have seen was the the defense would would go into the offensive team meeting and tell them how many points they needed every week. This this week we need six points and we win the game. We need three points, and and they were right most of the time. They just the the run they had in the playoffs, especially, was was incredible. So yeah, I. I, I'd, I'd fight anyone that the, the 2000 Ravens D wasn't wasn't the best of all time. I think the other thing that you, you, you have to look at is obviously it was, you know, we're sort of talking 15 years apart, but just you know, okay, it was it was it, it was it was different in, in '85, but just how inept that offense was uh, for the Ravens, you know, that 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 whole year, um, you know, that that you know, the, the offense shouldn't really impact how good a defense is in terms of how you view them but actually when when you've got a team that that goes five games in a row as you said earlier without scoring a touchdown you know to to, to drag them to the playoffs and 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 as you said the you know, the, the, the playoffs were were magnificent when they played some of their best football you know you sort of you know the, the Super Bowl itself you know seven points were scored and and and, and but that was a um you know that was, that was special teams points um you know the Titans were were massively favoured, and and they walked out of there, you know, with you know their own home stadium with the tail between their legs. So I think the fact that you know the offense was just as inept as it as it was surely means you've got to favour the Ravens. But you know, of course, all three of us are going to say that. <laughs> and and the eighty-five Bears had a good offense. That's the yeah, thing. They exactly. had Walter Payton on offense, who's a Hall of Fame running back, one of the greatest of all time. Um, they had some decent receivers. They had a decent QB. Um, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if that uh, Ravens team had had to play the Vikings in the Super Bowl because that's who they thought they were going to play. The Vikings were kind of tearing their way through the playoffs. And then the Giants did that thing that losing Super Bowl teams often do where they peaked in the championship game. And they had an amazing championship game. And then as from, from what they say in the film, as soon as... Um, uh, as soon as they knew they were playing the Giants, the Ravens were like, "We're we're fine. We're we're going to get this, no problem." Um, but they were not worried about playing the Vikings, but they certainly thought the Vikings would be a bit of a challenge because they had a, a, an offense that matched up really well. So that would have been quite an interesting one. But um, you know, you can only play the team that you end up having to play, and they uh, they did a, a an exceptional job against them. Um, and it's. Um, I mean, it's the other thing that I thought was interesting, the sort of revisionist bit that's come out in the various social media clips. There's two things. One is the kind of, you can't play defense like that anymore. You can't hit people like they did, but all of the stuff that they were doing, you absolutely can do now. The speed of that defense would be just as powerful in today's NFL as it was then. Um, you can't like pile drive quarterbacks into the ground anymore but you know that's that's not really why they were winning games they were winning games primarily because of their speed and ability to to read the game um, but then the other thing was Trent Dilfer uh, saying that you can't play it was much harder to play quarterback in his day and I was like it's not like you're not talking about the 70s Trent it was like 20 <laughs> years ago it was still a it was a passing league Tom Brady was already in the league at that point Peyton Manning had been drafted as well, hadn't he? He was drafted in 99, something like that. Um, so, you know, guys who were going to be the big passers of the 2000s were already there. It's not like the 
you know, in the seventies when they were, you could essentially just mug wide receivers and take their heads off if they went over the middle of the field. And it was, you know, it was very, very, it's a miracle anyone caught a pass before 1970 in the NFL. But, um, yeah, I think Trent Dilfer kind of overstated a little bit how hard the job of quarterback was. It was, yeah. it was hard for him. So, <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I've, I've seen a few of his throws when he, when he had a clean pocket. And, uh, you know, so yes, if he had a clean pocket, I, I've seen what you can do, Trent. And yes, you can a Super Bowl, you know, ring on me, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be shouting it so loud as it, as he did. No, and I stayed up for that Super Bowl and I remember, I can still vividly remember him throwing that touchdown pass and being like, A, over the moon that he'd thrown the touchdown pass and B, like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, it was just like, it was just completely not something that uh, you're expecting him to do at all. That was a completely different, it was, it was not the, because, you know, Brian Billick had come in as the guy who was sort of the architect of that high scoring Vikings team that, that almost made the Super Bowl. So he had made his name as this big sort of downfield passing guy who was going to put up big offensive numbers. Um, and ended up being completely the opposite. He ended up coaching maybe the best defense ever to play the game and having kind of a remedial offense that was just about controlling the ball and keeping them in it. But, um, anyway, a fantastic team. And, uh, we will, well, let's see if we can uh, get around to watching the documentary on, uh, over the weekend. Then maybe we can talk about it next week or whenever the next podcast is. Um, so the last thing that I'm seeing on my show script here is the Ravens Awards, Ian, which has been uh, running on uh, on Twitter and uh, on Facebook. Um, so what were the final votes? How did it all land? Yeah, so we're going to announce all the, the sort of winners on, on Twitter, actually, just before the Super Bowl. But I, I'm guessing that both of you have both voted. I, I'm, I have voted. Okay, I'm, I'm the only one that can see the results, so I can see that. I'm not going to spoil them on the podcast. I just wanted to go through a couple of the, the categories and, and just, cause I, I think there's one category that might shock people when, when we announce it. But I just want to see who, like, I'll, I'll say who I voted for as well. But, so let's just run through a couple of the categories. So MVP, who did, who did you both vote for? Let's go Shane first. Can you remember? <laughs> this is the thing I'm really struggling to remember. It's, it's been up for two weeks now, so. I know, and I voted right at the beginning because you sent me the um, sent questionnaire it, sent when the, you were putting it together. Yeah, I sent you the um, proof. I think it was a difficult one because there were so few of the players that I would have picked that had played the whole season. So, you know, Dobbins hadn't played the whole season. Um, I think I went for Mark Andrews, even though he missed a game, I think. Okay. George, can you uh, Again, I'm struggling, but I think I, I think I defaulted to a DB as, as I quite often would. And I think I went Marlon. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, we've, we've had nearly 200 responses in, in total across the board. Now, ne- wow. neither of you, neither of you have picked the winner there. So that's, that's good. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, so let's do, uh, rookie of the year, which I think is an interesting one. Uh, I, I want to give a shout. We've had, so we've had 200 votes across the board in all of these categories. We had 199 votes shared between Linderbaum and Hamilton. So I just want to give a, a shout out to the one person that voted for <laughs> Isaiah Likely. Whoever you are, well done. <laughs> Amazing. I'm guess, guessing it wasn't one of you two. It wasn't me, and nobody nobody went for Jordan Stout. <laughs> nobody at all. Nobody at all. So that's very sad. Yeah, I think um, I went for Linderbaum in the end. But again, you know, because he was in there um, pretty much the whole season. Yeah, DB bias. I probably went Hamilton. 
Okay, well that that's that's a close one. That's a, as I say, the the two of them are are pretty much splitting two hundred votes, but uh, might might be interesting. And I think the one that's going to shock people is going to be the offensive player of the year. So I'm just interested to see who you who you both voted for here. So I should have gone if I was following my MVP logic. I should have gone with Andrews. I'm I I think, but um, there's who did I go for? Because it's you know obviously you know Lamar didn't play really enough games. Dobbins was sort of ramped up kind of slowly, even though I think he had some amazing performances once he was hitting his his speed. Um, I think Zeitler kind of deserves a bit of a nod. Um, I could just be like well, just list the whole offense, couldn't I? That would be ridiculous. I th- I think I probably picked Andrews. Okay, I'm George? pretty sure I went Ronnie Stanley. Okay. Well, the, the winner, I don't think we're going to get any more votes now. The winner of this is going to end up with 30% of the vote. And I think when we announce it, I think this is going to be a bit, a bit of a shocker, this one. So oh, you only have to wait a day or two, but there's a little, te- <laughs> little tease for you. But, um, but thanks to everyone that voted in these things. They're, they're good fun. We've got some, some sort of funny categories in there as well. Uh, Greg, Greg Roman obviously won the, the villain of the year. <laughs> He's got himself 65% of the vote. We, um, we, we named one of the questions now the Jeff Schreback uh, award because he just wins it every year for the best <laughs> social media content. And again, he's, he's walking away with that, with that one, but it's always, it's always good fun to, to pop these things out at the end of the year. Who were who some of the other, um, some of the other choices for villain of the year? Uh, so villain of the year. So, um, let's have a quick look. We've got Greg Rich. Roman's. Six, Jerome Boger. Um... Yeah. Jerome Boger did, did quite well. Joe Mixon's done all right. Uh, the Bengals Twitter fan base have, have got themselves <laughs> some some votes for all their whining. So, yeah, the, between the sort of three of those, they, yeah, I think I might have gone to Rome because I I think I went to Rome because although it was time for Roman to go, uh, I I sort of I, I couldn't bring myself, you know, because I kind of think yes, the time was right, but I couldn't couldn't do it after you know what what he did in that in that 2019 season so uh i was a little bit loyal there so i wasn't one of the percentage that went for roman <laughs> the, the lots of percentage well keep keep your eyes on twitter just before the super bowl because we're gonna we're gonna announce all those then so well, as my wife says that's, apparently that's always where my eyes are so I, I, i'm sure i'll see it <laughs> and so there's depending on when we get this podcast out there'll be a little bit more time if you haven't voted yet to uh to dive onto at UK Ravens on Twitter, where the uh, you can find the poll if you haven't voted. Um, get your get your opinions in before the Super Bowl starts. Um, so we will be back uh, I, at least once before the end of February. Um, the those of us who remain amb, um, amb, ambient, I was going to say ambulant, will try to avoid falling off the back of, of trucks and. Uh, otherwise injuring ourselves. Um, thanks, George, for dropping in and uh, keeping his company, particularly during that long, dark period where he <laughs> disappeared. No, thank you. It's a ple- pleasure being on. I appreciate the offer. It was so much better to, to have somebody else talking besides <laughs> me just talking to myself, which is where we would have been. Um, if you want to be involved with the show, if you want to come on, um, and uh, as George has done, tell us about why you're a Raven, tell us about your favourite players, um, and maybe have more of us to talk to. Uh, than than just me who knows Uh, then do get in touch we're on the UK Ravens show at gmail.com and uh, until next week let's go Ravens thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast 
This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. Okay, cool.